a phlebotomist is about to stick a needle in your arm. They're going to draw blood, and you hate needles and the sight of blood. Some people tell you it's no big deal, but you know better. Well, now you don't necessarily need to feel the anxiety you normally do when seeing the doctor, or in this example, get blood drawn. Why? Virtual reality. Wait, what? Yeah, that's right. Don McMahon, an assistant professor of special education at Washington State University's College of Education, as well as the director of a virtual and augmented reality lab on the Pullman campus, has a new technique. It was discovered accidentally, but as a necessity, because of a trip to the doctor's office with his daughter. Virtual reality can actually help reduce anxiety among healthcare patients. The integration of this was obvious, and Don explains how a local hospital saw it and has already implemented it. Education Eclipse starts now. Education, news, and research. These are the conversations happening inside education, athletic training, sports science, and sport management that are going to transform each. It's Education Eclipse from Washington State University. Back here on Education Eclipse, and I'm joined by Don McMahon, a faculty member in the special education department. He's also a director of a lab here on campus, and, you know, it's a newer lab. It's it's an up-and-coming field. I mean, it's so new that we even have discussions, Don, about what the lab name is going to be. I mean, that's how new it is, but it deals with virtual reality, augmented reality, and, and the implementation of this in a variety of different things. Yeah, so uh, we've had some pretty cool things happening recently. We've... Um, we're just invited to uh, go to the Pullman Regional uh, Hospital Health Summit and do a presentation there. And that whole process started with a flu shot that my daughter got uh, last fall. Uh, my daughter, Sydney Reese, is very adorable. She's six. And it's maternal genetics, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, she definitely gets all of the adorable part from uh, her mother. But she went to the, uh, she was going to get her flu shot. She was very apprehensive about getting a flu shot. Um, Me too. Yeah. I, I mean. <laughs> and uh, going out the door, uh, my wife Amanda said, all right, sweetie, you got to remember, dad's going to take you to the doctor to get a flu shot, which immediately, like I would have rather just sprung it on her as a surprise, but you know, the cat was out of the bag at that point. And so I said, all right, it'll be fine. Let's try playing a game on uh the VR headset, we're going to try the Oculus Go VR headset and play some games on it, and we'll see what happens. And she's like... And for other parents, I mean, who doesn't have an Oculus Go that they right. can strap on their child? <clears throat> yeah. Luckily, I did have a lot <laughs> of them. And so um, we uh, went to the police pediatrics, and um, I asked, would it be all right if she wore this? To, and they said, yeah, let's see what happens. And... Um, she was playing a little game called Mary Snowballs and was shooting snowballs away at bullies who were um, coming around, you know, and little VR headset throwing snowballs at her. So these little cartoon characters are throwing snowballs at her, and she's using the controller to shoot snowballs back at them. And she's sitting there playing away there on the little exam table, and uh, the nurse comes up, uh, gets the flu shot ready, uh, Jabs her in the arm uh, with the flu shot. Sydney Reese is uh, playing with the controller in her right hand. She got the flu shot in her left arm. Never realized that she actually got the flu shot. and We were ready to go. And so, so the reaction then I'm sure from everybody else was, whoa, what yeah. just happened? So the RN who uh, gave her the flu shot said, you know, let me get your card and uh, let's, let's 
keep this conversation going. And so uh, it was kind of, to me, it was one of those great examples of uh, Pullman and kind of a small community where, you know, maybe this wouldn't have happened as quickly and been taken up the chain of command quite so quickly in like a larger city. But um, a few uh, weeks later, I was able to go to a meeting with um, Becky Heifel, who's one of the directors at uh, Pullman Hospital, and uh, Catherine Wilkins, who's the pediatric care coordinator. And we started talking about ways that we could use the Oculus Go's and some different VR headsets for patient care. And, you know, they were really interested in some of the ideas of if you were experiencing, let's say, a two-hour transfusion that you had to have, and, you know, you're in a hospital setting, it's not very um, calming for some people, and you've got lots of needles in you because of this transfusion, maybe putting on a VR headset and being able to see a really beautiful scene instead of, you know, the hospital setting, kind of having that moment to kind of mindfully be somewhere else might help some patients. Or for younger patients who are very scared of procedures or don't want to keep looking down at the needles in their arm, potentially, they can sit there and uh, engage in some distraction. And you're, you're basically saying, I mean, I can meet with my proctologist and yet still be at Bailey Brayton Field here on the campus of Wazoo on a sunny summer day. Mm-hmm. We'll say it's batting practice, very yep. serene, just sitting there. You're telling me that I can do that. That is exactly what we can do. We can record. Excellent. Uh, one of the ideas, too, is, you know, if you have a patient who's, let's say, very apprehensive about um, maybe going into the CT machine. All right, well, maybe it would be helpful to just demystify that experience a little bit so we could actually ahead of time shoot some video of what it looks like to be in that situation from your point of view and then maybe help that uh, individual experience that on their own. That's kind of the work that uh, we're doing with the Amazon Catalyst uh, Fellow that um, I recently was awarded looking at ways that we... So Amazon Catalyst Catalyst Fellowship. Fellowship. Yep. So you're an Am- Amazon Catalyst fellow. I'm a fellow. A heck I haven't of a added great the- fellow. Yes, I know. I haven't added fellow to my email uh, yet. So I probably, I guess, I'm well, supposed to do that. Let's hop on that. Okay, right? I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's our uh, what we're doing is trying to use 360 degree video to try to help uh, students um, with autism and intellectual disability work on social skills and um, some job training skills. Um, so they can, you know, practice a job interview ahead of time before they actually go into the job interview for the first time. So that's kind of where, kind of the more of the core of my work tends so the, to be. And this, the, the applications are pretty wide ranging. I mean, you, they can be anyway. Yes, absolutely. And this opportunity with the hospital is kind of just a fun partnership that benefits them and uh, benefits us. We're going to start making some training materials to try to help. Um, them when, let's say, a new person, a new nurse is there at night and wants to use it, but then maybe they're not familiar with the VR headset. We're going to give them some quick start guides and like, hey, try these 10 experiences. If you're looking for a 17-minute immersive video, we suggest this one. If you're looking for a game for a 10-year-old to be distracted by um, their leg um, being broken and and getting worked on for a second, then try this one. And, um, you know, so that's been kind of a, one of the things that I think the College of Education can offer the hospital. Hey, we can make these training materials much more accessible and much more universally designed so parents and patients and 
caregivers can just pick them up quickly and make a decision and not spend all their time kind of fumbling around, well, what's available on the store? We can kind of curate some of that content for them and make some suggestions that might, uh, you know, kind of help with the implementation and adoption process. And I appreciate you, you mentioning that because it's often the question of how do you move it from a good idea into the implementation? Like what, what helps you, Don McMahon, and the folks that are in your lab actually become agents of change, right? Do something mm -hmm. positive in the world. Yeah. So that's one of the things that we've concentrated a lot on in the lab space is trying to make sure that while, hey, we're pushing out peer-reviewed publications and um, those are great and they're an important metric that we're measured by for tenure, hint. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... <laughs> It turns hint, out, hint. yeah, hint, hint. So <laughs> I'll just take the bump from assistance, all I need right now. Right. But um, it turns out that those peer-reviewed papers are often not New York Times bestsellers. Uh, they're really great at, like, inducing in, um, sleep, actually, for the most part. We, they tend to be a little dry. So as trying to be an agent of change, we try to make uh, outreach and implementation materials that are teacher-friendly, you know, practitioner friendly uh, for the, in the case of the hospital. Uh, so, all right, what do I need to know quickly to get started? And then I can kind of start fumbling around and doing some discovery and trying out some different things on my own. But if you, we can get people to initially, you know, whether it's put on a headset or use an augmented, rea augmented reality app to solve a problem uh, in their daily life, that's the big thing that starts to get some implementation happening and that process of discovery uh, rolling along. Now, I don't mean for it to sound like I've been distracted by a squirrel, but okay. you mentioned something about a health summit early on. Yes, okay. So what was your role at this health summit? So uh, Pullman Hospital, uh, after they had impl started implementing the project, uh, asked us, and um, they were very nice to invite us to the Pullman uh, Regional Health Summit. Uh, WSU Medical School was there, as well as some um, other uh, units on the campus, and it was an event that was kind of about WSU and Pullman Regional Hospital both being uh, partners in innovation. And uh, there were three big screens up there, the one of, and we were one of them over there on the right-hand side. And we were showing how um, this really related to patient care. And we were generally showing kind of tranquil, like, immersive games like you were swimming underneath the water and you're swimming with whales or turtles or something like that or i'd freak out with that i mean those it, that have fear of fish I <laughs> okay mean. yeah uh and it's more common than uh so choose I, the one that's yeah. uh, tranquil to you so again yes. bailey brayton field on a summer day yeah flying. there you go so okay lots of uh you know there are lots of concert experiences out there where you know you could sit in uh, elton john concert and see it and like you're right there in the festival and see the 360 degree video um there are you know, you can pull up, you know, tens of thousands of 360-degree videos on YouTube and VR. So there's definitely, the, you'll find something that's going to work for you, I'm sure. You know, we try to provide a, a wide range of kind of like calming and interesting uh, VR experiences that um, patients and like caregivers uh, could really connect to. You know, no zombie shooters, um, even though that's, uh, there's plenty of those out there on um, VR headsets for gaming and things like that. We tended to go with the Oculus Go. Um, it's a lower um, cost point. It's you know, $199 to $250 if 
it's easy to pull the cover off, so it's easy for the hospital to keep clean because you know that's going to be a concern. Yeah, right. Sanitation. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we um, were, you know, those were some of the things that we kind of problem solved with the hospital. You know, hey, here's how you take it off. This is uh, how you buy replacement covers um, and things like that. And so far, uh, that seemed to work. And you know, I think our audience there at the Health Innovation Summit seemed to really be interested in using this more. We actually had a dentist from the area who was starting to inquire, hey, you know, even if it's something as simple as watching Netflix, watching Netflix on the headset and, you know, often like a dentist will sometimes post a or put a television on their ceiling, but I'm still looking through the dentist's arms up to this television up on the ceiling to be distracted by this experience. Um, with the VR headset, I'm not having to look through my dentist's arms up at the television. And uh, at least for me personally, uh, maybe it will also encourage my dentist to ask, you know, less questions on occasion, you know, because if chatting dentist... Right, when was the last time you flossed, yeah. Don? <laughs> it has been, it's been too yeah. long since my Don, last Don, flossing, yes. Yeah, you'd have to say, well, do you want me to lie to you or not? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I would go for the VR headset in a heartbeat potentially to uh, make that happen. And if it was a smart dentist, they would actually put a video on there about how to floss better. <laughs> yep. After, like you can watch Netflix after this brief advertisement about flossing. So it, it, it would actually be interesting to get the, the video uh, on that device that they're seeing right on their little cameras when they come down in, in your mouth. I don't know if I or want gross. That. I it don't want be, that. It could potentially be yeah. pretty gross. You're a special education faculty member, meaning there certainly are ways you could implement this in a special education setting. So talk about some of the work that you have done with AR and VR and some of the ramifications of that, just, just briefly. Yeah. So um, a lot of what we've been focused on is trying to get teachers to engage in more experimentation and discovery work with this. So part of it is outreach towards teachers and some implementation pieces and also laying down the research foundation for augmented reality and virtual reality. So kind of since uh, about 2014, I've been working on laying down that research foundation in augmented reality. Um, I think probably most of my like 28 publications that I've had here since I've been at WSU have involved that in some way. And um, one of the ones that I work on is uh, using like augmented reality to support science instruction and vocabulary acquisition. So providing multiple means of representation. Uh, the population that I did the work with uh, were students with intellectual and developmental disabilities, but these are potentially great strategies for all learners because we all like multiple means of representation. You know, something greater than just the PowerPoint and your teacher reading the PowerPoint or just the textbook and you sitting there reading the textbook trying to get the knowledge. Augmented reality provides, you know, just a little bit of information overlaid on top of the real world, like a 3D skeleton that you can take apart and start exploring, let's say, the uh, body systems and figuring out how the nervous system and the uh, circulatory system follow each other along. Or um, we've done similar work in VR as well. Uh, we had a really successful uh, VR extra gaming study. Uh, so for students with intellectual and developmental disabilities, sometimes as they leave the K-12 world, um, their physical activity reduce is reduced because um, they are unfortunately underemployed compared to their peers without disabilities. 
And uh, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of my physical activity coming to work. You know, I'll walk to work. I walk around the building. You know, it's one of those times where I'm not on my couch. Does it look like I get physical activity <laughs> done? Just I'm just throwing that You're out doing, there. I'm yeah, just, all I'm the just, baseball. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out. Yes, as I sit there at Bailey Brayton. I said I sit there. And by the way, I'm eating a hot dog. So... I mean, <laughs> so, 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 so work is part of our physical activity. It, and yeah, well, so if we're underemployed, we might be less physically active. Sure. And so in this VR exergaming gaming study, what happened was our students uh, started off exercising kind of in three to four minute increments on a exercise bike before they generally uh, were ready to move on to something else, uh, like not exercising. And playing the VR exercise games, they had their headset on, and the faster they pedaled the bike, the faster the bike goes. Uh, they went from exercising three to four minutes to exercising 19 to 23 minutes, which is a huge improvement and much closer to the recommended 30 minutes a day of you know, some physical activity. So, um, but, but you, you know, you talk about the serenity, the tranquility of that. Do you find... That um, that they're doing this hit types, the high intensity stuff, or do they do they write it for nineteen to twenty three minutes, but it gets pretty relaxed, you know? Now uh, it increased both the duration and the intensity of their exercise really? because they were like most of the games had like a racing component to them. So the okay. faster I'm in a race car, I look like I'm in a race car, but I'm on an exercise bike. And the faster I pedal this exercise bike, the faster my race car goes compared to your race car. <laughs> and so, like, I'm I'm pedaling away trying to win this race, and it's just like Mario Kart. I'm just getting, like, hey, you're in third. You're in fourth. and Or if it's like me playing Mario Kart against my family, I'm in 12th. But, you know, now my, you know, these students were pedaling away, and they were able to get towards, you know, uh, much more um, kind of, intense levels of exercise than they were doing in the baseline without the exercise gaming in VR. And exercise gaming and using it for academic instruction are just kind of like you know the tip of the iceberg, I think, right now of um, we'll see a lot more of these immersive learning opportunities. And um, I think while the field of immersive learning is growing a lot uh, with augmented reality and virtual reality and um trying to be a voice in that field to make sure that it remains accessible to the broadest range of people possible and that it's inclusive of people with disabilities is part of like uh, what I hope my voice gets to be. No, it's one thing to talk a big game. So okay. now, now, now you're on the hot seat. Okay. okay, I'll take it. Let's talk about the ROAR program. I could see a, a hundred applications for this augmented reality. I also know at the beginning of the year, a lot of tours and, and are done for the students. I mean, have mm -hmm. we implemented some of this, this technology with them yet? Uh, we've had some discovery experiences uh, for the ROAR students to come and try things they out. They got lost and you had to go discover them? I mean, <laughs> no, we brought okay. them into the lab okay. without any... Just making sure. Yeah. So we had some, uh, last year we ran some discovery experiences where they can come in and just kind of try things out. Uh, this year we're going to look at uh, including it more um, consistently in the digital literacy class. That's part of the ROAR uh, program, um, kind of core classes. So um, there'll be some, hopefully some pretty cool research coming out of that at some point here in the future. Um you know, Katie uh, Hirschfelder, one of the instructors for the Aurora program, uh, came here to actually study virtual reality and students with disabilities. Uh, so I think uh, she's really excited about finding ways that she can implement the tools from the lab and uh, see what 
she can do to help the Roar students implement them and take off with them. So, And that's why I brought that up is I knew Katie was specifically studying like AR, VR. Um, yes. For, for the listeners, uh, I didn't give context to Roar, by okay. the way. It's, Roar is an acronym that stands for Responsibility, Opportunity, uh, advocacy. advocacy, and Respect. And respect. Uh, it is a program for, for students uh, with intellectual or developmental disabilities. It is an all-inclusive type program. They live here on campus, and um, they audit courses, and, mm-hmm. and they, just, they get a, a traditional college experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we which, have some courses designed specifically for them. We call them the ROAR courses or ROAR seminar classes. And one of the ROAR students I have is an intern yep. this semester, actually. So um, he, he's here six hours a week and, and doing things in a digital realm. Yep. So um, it's it's a fantastic program. So I just wanted to make sure the listener knew. Yeah. Uh, even though we've talked about Roar before, if this is the first time they they've ever listened to uh, to our podcast, I mean, first of all, I'm sorry uh, about that, that that you have to hear me or um, me or, or Don. Uh, but but um, you know, I wanted to make sure that that, that was clear. So Don, this is really cool work. I, I think you're you're definitely heading in the right direction with with some of this in a variety of avenues. There's yeah. no question that that this is an up and coming tool and and uh, appreciate the research you're doing. You have any any last things to add? If you're listening and would like to support, reach out to the development <laughs> office and they will help you support our work so we can get these tools into the hands of more educators and more students. Don, your hands, you lay them on pretty thick. <laughs> so, all right, thanks so much for listening to Education Eclipse. Uh, Don, I appreciate you coming on. All right, thank you. You've been listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University.